How can pastors help prepare engaged couples on the road to marriage? Dr. Les Parrott is our guest this week discussing a new tool he's helped develop that is helping many pastors counsel couples headed towards marriage. It's all in episode 58 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 58 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host. And this week, our guest is Dr. Les Parrott. Les works alongside his wife, Leslie, as a husband and wife team dedicated to helping others build healthy relationships. In 1991, the Parrots founded the Center for Relationship Development on the campus of Seattle Pacific University. It's a groundbreaking program dedicated to teaching the basics of good relationships. The Parrots are also New York Times bestselling authors, and among their books, their most popular are Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, Real Relationships, and The Complete Guide to Marriage Mentoring. I asked Les about an exciting new tool they've developed helping many pastors mentor couples that are on the road to marriage. And now, here's my conversation with Les Parrott. Well, Dr. Parrott, thank you so much for joining us on the Church Leaders Podcast today. Absolutely. Privilege to be with you. You are known for uh, just all of the wisdom and expertise you bring to helping married couples, especially young married couples. And I think it's something that uh, a lot of pastors and ministry leaders uh, feel the weight of is uh, when a young couple comes into their office and has questions, they feel a little equipped. And so tell us how God led you to get into this work of helping helping couples thrive. Yeah, well, I appreciate the question. Leslie and I had just come out of graduate school. We had moved to Seattle from Los Angeles where we both completed our, our uh, doctoral degrees. I'm a psychologist. Leslie's a marriage and family therapist. I'm also an ordained minister, by the way. But I've uh, got a degree in theology as well as psychology. And uh, I was pursuing a, a path toward medical psychology. I was uh, actually doing a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Washington School of Medicine uh, here in Seattle. And also began teaching it. Seattle Pacific University, a Christian college, about 6,000 students. And um, in that February of that first year, some students asked Leslie and me to talk about falling in love. It was around Valentine's Day. And so we had this little gathering in a residence hall, and it was just jam-packed. And it was packed out not because they knew anything about us, but just because of the topic. And because that need was so palpable, it really kind of served as a pivot point in the trajectory of our calling. And uh, we both realized, boy, we need to do something for these students. And so that next spring, uh, we launched a a little seminar for engaged couples, and we called it Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And uh, that eventually led to a book by that same title. And uh, that book led to uh, some appearances on Oprah Winfrey's show and a lot of other shows. And uh, before you know it, we were uh, establishing ourselves as being, quote, experts on pre-marriage <laughs> ministry. And so it was really, a, it was certainly a part of us, but it was the needs around us that really kind of laid out that path before us, too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of pastors, that's one of the main things that they're involved in. When you think about where is your pastor involved in your, in your marriage, it's that premarital counseling that a lot of pastors require on the, you know, before you get married. And so do you, I think right. a lot of pastors feel like marriages are, are under attack right now. And so do you, yeah. as you kind of look at the landscape, do you feel like that's true to reality? 
Yeah, we hear a lot of negative news about marriage these days, but the truth is 87% of single adults between the ages of 18 and 35 still plan on being married. And of that uh, percentage, 82% of them say it's going to be for life. So still the vast majority of single adults say they want to be married, and it's not about a starter marriage. It's about being married to this one person for life. So I'm not discouraged by, you know, we see people marrying later in life. That's not a bad thing. Uh, in fact, that bodes pretty well for combating uh, the divorce statistics. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure. In, in fact, we have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, um, and that is to see the divorce rate reduced by a third in local churches in our lifetime. And uh, we're more optimistic about that than ever, not just because of obviously our work, but a lot of people, the network of professionals and ministries that are doing something serious to make that happen. And, and by the way, did you know that for every single percentage point that we lower the divorce, the lives of more than a million children are positively impacted? Think about that. That's for one single percentage point. Imagine what we could do if we lowered the divorce rate by two digits. It would be one of the greatest social revolutions the local church has ever seen, certainly in our lifetime, and it would have a ripple effect for generations to come. So um, it's easy to get discouraged if you pay attention to certain pieces of the news, but when you back up from it and look at the big picture, uh, we're more optimistic than ever about marriage. That's so encouraging, because I, I do think that it does seem like that a lot of times the negative stories are the ones that make the news, but it's encouraging to hear um, some of those statistics. Let's talk about um, your book, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, and, and kind of the work that you're doing. What are the things that, that couples, that, as they prepare for marriage, need um, in order to feel like, okay, we're, we're ready to take this step? Well, when Les and I first put this book together a number of years ago, it just came out in a brand new edition, and we can talk about why it's in a new edition in a moment. But when we first put it together, uh, we stood on a mountain of research. We knew, we wanted to know, what do we know? works for sure. You know, what do we know from research? And then we stand also on the platform of biblical wisdom. And of course, uh, knowing that all truth is God's truth, we, we bring these together and then did our very best to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, make it accessible, make it relevant for today's couples. And uh, so we, we put that together in a package that is based on seven questions to ask before and after you get married. And the first of those questions is, have you faced the myths of marriage with honesty? And we start there because it's our beliefs about marriage that impact what we do in marriage. And those beliefs or misbeliefs really determine our behavior. And so that's where we begin. Um, in fact, we did a, a more recently when we did the revised edition, we did this study with a, a fantastic team at the University of Chicago looking at the attitudinal set that individuals bring into marriage. And uh, we know that they'll fall into one of five groups when it comes to their attitude toward just the enterprise of marriage, you know, not their own relationship or, or you know, future relationship. And uh, to give them to you real quickly, there's the resolute mindset. These people really believe in marriage. It's part of their life plan. They are resolute. Divorce is not an option. Uh, the second is rational these people will tend to marry later in life. They probably had a pretty up-close personal look at how divorce happens and what marriage should not be. And so they take their time. They know it's going to be a piece of work to do. And then we have the romantics. Uh, these are people that 
you know, want to write the great love story that's never been written. They love phrases like becoming soulmates, things like that. So resolute, rational, romantic, and then the last two are restless. They say marriage, eh, maybe someday, but not today. I'm having too much fun as a single person. And then finally, reluctant. And those are people that just don't believe in marriage at all. You know, it's just a piece of paper. Why would I need that? And so determining things like that right at the beginning in this chapter that we call the myths of marriage, um, and that's just one, you know, the attitudinal set. Um, but uh, another myth I think that's so important is probably rarely articulated but deeply felt, and that is that this person is going to make me whole. In other words, they're going to be kind of a shortcut to well-being. They're going to be a shortcut to, to making up for everything that I lack in my life. So those are the kinds of myths that we looked out in that first chapter, and that kind of sets the stage for some skill building and, and other things that are valuable. And so it sounds like it's a lot of managing expectations and going back and saying, okay, what does the Bible really say marriage should be? And so talk about that. Like, what are some of the big things like that you see in the culture where people are generally just kind of missing what the, what the Bible has taught about marriage? Yeah, probably the biggest one is, of course, that, you know, marriage is going to make me happy, that it's a, a happiness pill. And most couples will tend to swallow that whole. Um, in fact, I'm working with a couple right now, some pre-marriage work. Uh, he's a professional athlete and well-known, and uh, she is pretty well-known herself. And they are riding high on life. I mean, everything's going their way. And it's just so obvious when I get together with them. Uh, I'll see him yet this afternoon, and they just, I know they bought into this idea that marriage is going to make them even happier, and of course it does, but we also know that marriage is hard work, and that happiness does not depend on that other person. You know, you make your marriage happy. Another person does not make your marriage happy, and so that that's, I think that's probably the biggest one that we encounter, that, that people think that uh, somehow this, this this thing that God created that we call marriage is designed to make them happy, and that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to the the pastor who might be listening to this and has always felt like premarital counseling wasn't their particular gift, didn't, didn't really enjoy doing it? What are some of the goals that a pastor who's getting ready to marry a couple should have for that premarital counseling? Yeah, let me first of all tell you, I feel your pain. I talk with so many pastors— uh, on a weekly basis, and I know so many, uh, first of all, they don't like doing premarriage. Now, some love it. Some, it's like their thing. But there's a lot of pastors It's just like, I didn't get this in seminary. Uh, it's not really my calling. I feel like I'm, I'm, my thing is preaching or teaching. Um, but to do this kind of marriage preparation, plus I'm not feeling so great about things on the home front in my own marriage right now, and there can be some insecurity that comes out of that. So I feel your pain on that. And that's one of the reasons that we've worked really hard over the last few years to build some tools that can make anybody a hero in, in the eyes of this couple that's getting married, that can make any, anybody, whether it's a lay person or a, a professional therapist or a member of the clergy, can make them, you know, help them give a, a world-class experience to a couple. Um, and to do that relatively easily. And that's what uh, uh, leads us to this thing I know we're going to talk about called the Symbus Assessment. But it's kind of funny. When we had, uh, you know, this book, Saving a Marriage Before It Starts, it crossed the million copy mark a few years ago. 
and our publisher Zondervan said, uh, "Hey, let's let's revise this. Let's keep it fresh and updated." And you know, that's sometimes publishers speak for let's put a new cover on this. And we said, you know, let's do this thing right. And so we surveyed, we did a listening tour of more than 300 churches, 300 pastors, asking just two questions. What do you do when it comes to pre-marriage? And secondly, what can help you do that better? And that was it. And by the way, we just planned on doing that with 100 churches. And the information was so valuable and it was so varied that we just kept going and uh, finally just turned it off at about 300 churches. But that's when we realized, okay, we can do something that's going to help a church and really move marriage ministry from, as one pastor told me, from analog to digital, uh, a really a game changer. And that's what we've attempted to do with these new tools that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about those tools. So um, kind of walk through like how a pastor might use this tool to help this couple. Yeah, so what we did, we built a, an assessment uh, we call it the SYMBIS assessment, S-Y-M-B-I-S. That stands for saving your marriage before it starts. And so we wanted a tool. One of the things we heard when we did this research with all these pastors, the survey research, was the word relevancy. We want to be relevant to today's couples. And I think that most pastors know intuitively that pre-marriage ministry and early marriage ministry is an incredible portal for evangelism and church growth. And if you can establish, in fact, I just got back um, a week ago from training the entire staff at Stephen Furtick's church, Elevation, in this tool I'm going to tell you about in a moment. But that was one of their biggest things is we see this as a way to bring the community into our church. It's a door that they'll walk into that they might not ever uh, even think about down the road. But right now, in this strong trigger point in their life of getting married, uh, we have this opportunity, a rare opportunity. Um, so we built this, the Symbus assessment as a means to have a world-class pre-marriage ministry for any church of any size. And uh, here's how it works. First of all, you get trained and certified in how to use the tool. And here's the good news on that front. It only takes three hours. You don't have to get on an airplane to fly someplace. You don't even have to drive down the street. You can do this at home in your PJs because it's all online. So you get trained and certified to be a Symbus facilitator. Number two, you invite a couple to take the assessment and you do that through a dashboard. All you need are their two names and their email addresses and we take care of the rest. And they answer 300 items and it generates this report. Now, you might be thinking, oh my goodness, 300 items, that's a lot. Well, um, it is a lot, But here's what I can tell you. We have 12 different question types. It takes about 25 minutes for them each to answer these these questions, and they do it separately. 25 minutes. And 12 different question types. Why? Because that helps us avoid survey fatigue. It helps keep the brain engaged. So there's drag and drop, and there's sliders, and there's radio buttons, and thumbs up, thumbs down, all kinds of things that keep the person engaged. And uh, most people will say at the end of that, hey, that was pretty fun. Now, rarely do you hear that after somebody's answered 300 items. In fact, I was with eHarmony for the first 10 years of that company. We never once heard that from anybody in <laughs> our questionnaire. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. And then once they, they've done that, it generates this 15-page report that comes to you as the pastor. It comes into your dashboard. You're notified they've completed it. And then you simply unpack this 15-page report with them. You can do that in one intensive session. You can spread it out over seven or eight sessions. 
uh, we provide all the tools you need to figure out how to schedule it that works best in, in your style. But that's the big concept. Does that make sense? It does. And so then what kind of information does that give us? Yeah. So one of the first things I do when I get a Simbus assessment report back is there's an overview page, and it, it has something we call the marriage momentum dial. And it's this 100-point scale. A little looks literally like a speedometer with this red needle. And it shows you their, more, their marriage momentum. In other words, on a 100-point scale, how is this couple doing when it comes to uh, their chances for successful, lifelong love? And so that's, that's a nice little overview piece. And then it goes into four categories. Uh, one, I mentioned mindset. We talk a little bit about the attitudinal set. Well-being uh, is another category. And this is all about, you know, y- your marriage can only be as healthy as you are. And in fact, Neil Warren, the founder of eHarmony, I had lunch with him just within the last month or so in Los Angeles. And when we were having lunch, I said, Neil, I said, hey, if you could only give one word of advice to a person about to be married, what would it be? And I loved his answer. And it was right on the tip of his tongue. He said, get yourself healthy before you get yourself married. And so we look at that in this report, their individual well-being as well as their relationship well-being. And then the third category is what we call context. This is that proverbial baggage that we bring into a, a marriage relationship or any relationship because we don't just marry a person. Of course, we marry a set of circumstances around that person as well. And so there's social baggage, there's financial baggage, and there's expectations that are shaped by our family of origin. And so we spell that out on individual pages. Um, For example, the financial package, we have this little thing called the money matrix. Dave Ramsey helped us build this. Super simple. And by the way, we often say this whole report is simplicity on the other side of complexity. But that's all the the context of the relationship. And then the last one is dynamics. And um, this is how God made you and how God made that other person. And as we like to say, there has never been a marriage like yours before, and there never will be again. You're too complex as two individuals. And so we spend several pages, about six pages of the report, looking at their two unique personalities and how that impacts the predictable topics of love and sex and communication and conflict and uh, uh, bridging the gender gap and ultimately spiritual intimacy. How do these two walk together with God in a way that's meaningful? And um, this particular page is, is really important to me because I see so many couples down the road, good, sincere, church-going couples, and they get so frustrated with one another because they don't relate to God in the same way. And so they miss out on this spiritual intimacy that we all long for as followers of Christ, that we want this in our marriage. And we miss each other because she relates to God this way and he relates to God that way. And they both kind of try to convert the other person, like, uh, you know, to their way of relating to God. Uh, let me give you a quick illustration. My wife, Leslie, We've been married 33 years, by the way. But when we first got married, I remember she's contemplative. And when we first got married, she would go off to like Starbucks with her Bible and uh, a notebook and a pen. And she'd be like gone for two and a half hours. And she'd come home and I'd say, hey, where you been? She'd say, oh, just been with God. 
I'm like, for two and a half hours, what have you guys been doing? You know, I mean, that's a long time. <laughs> and then you need a commentary. I mean, cause I'm more of an intellectual in my relationship with God. And, and so, um, you know, it's those kinds of things on that particular page. We can talk about that for a long time, but that's what we try to tease out on that. So those are the four categories, mindset, well-being, context, and dynamics. And if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about this stuff because it's, it's really a game changer. Yeah, it sounds like such an exciting tool. And I think I can just imagine like that just gives a lot of information to the person who, who doesn't really have a lot of time to try to figure out what's going on right. with this young couple. Are there times where the assessment might help a pastor or somebody who's working with a couple um, determine, you know, maybe it's just not good for you guys to, to go ahead and get married? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, in fact, one of the things that we do uh, for the pastor in their, their Symbus dashboard where they manage these couples in their care is provide you resources. And so we have like a resource on cohabitation and we have a resource on even performing your first wedding and, and all kinds, dozens of them. And there's a complimentary Bible study that goes with it, all those kinds of things. And we just recently, just this week, actually, two days ago, we put in a new resource on how to help a couple pump the brakes on the way to the altar. And every pastor knows, some if you've had experience, there's occasion when you're working with a couple and you just know this couple should not be getting married. And that's one of the beauties of using an assessment like the Symbus assessment, because you can kind of hold it up almost like a mirror and say, hey, according to what you guys are saying, this is what your future is looking like. What do you guys make of that? And kind of put it back on them. Because the last thing you want to do as a pastor is say, hey, I don't think you guys should get married. They're going to go right down the street to the next church and find a pastor that will marry them if you do that. And so you want to kind of put it back in their court, and an assessment is a great way of doing that. And so there's lots of things that we can kind of catch for a couple when we're giving them an objective assessment like this. For example, just their age. You know, it makes a big difference if you're getting married at 20 years of age versus 25. Um, and so the, the report will reveal that we look at their self-concept, any caution flags like depression or an addiction, whether or not they're getting social support from mom and dad and friends and family, that kind of thing. And so the report will do the talking for you. All you have to do is put it in front of that couple and they'll have that insight themselves. That's really, really interesting. And I think, um, I mean, I, I think that this is a great tool that I think will help a lot of pastors. As you guys were doing research for the revised edition of of your book, were there were there things in the in the research, new insights that um, that kind of struck you that that you didn't know in the first edition? Yeah, several things, and that was why we really wanted to do this in the right way. And it took a few years to to make this happen, rather than just as I said, put a new cover on it and go. You know, and one of the things is uh, we had it in the first edition, but it's what we call the habit of happiness. And it sounds kind of glib, but it's not. It's a deep abiding sense of, of joy that you can bring into your relationship in spite of your circumstances. I remember when Leslie and I were speaking up in the San Juan Islands and uh, to make another engagement, we had to get on this little four-seater Cessna. And so I'm seated next to the pilot. And as we land in Seattle, I said, hey, through the headphones, you know, I said, hey, what's the secret to getting a good landing? And he said to find the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions. And I thought he meant to say altitude. And he said, no, attitude. And that was the first time I'd ever heard 
a pilot talk about an airplane having an attitude. It has to do with the tail and the nose in relationship to the ground and so forth. And uh, I, I got out of the plane and I, I said to Leslie, I got to write that down. Finding the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions. Here's what we know. The vast majority of people that do pre-marriage counseling, uh, pre-marriage ministry, never talk about this. And yet the research, and this is new in the new edition of the book, the research shows it should be in the top three. Uh, learning to adjust to things beyond your control is one of the greatest wedding gifts we can ever give a couple. Why? Because every good marriage eventually bumps into something bad. And it's inevitable. You know, if it hasn't happened yet. Put your seatbelt on. Um, one of the bad things that happened to us, we had a baby that was premature. He was born three months ahead of schedule, weighed a pound, been through multiple surgeries and dire predictions about his life. It doesn't matter how loving you are. It doesn't matter how great your marriage is. Every good marriage eventually bumps into something bad. It may be financial. It may be, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, psychiatric problem. It, it may be, uh, infidelity, infertility, the list goes on and on. And so, one of the things we wanted to do in this new edition was make sure that a pastor that's using this curriculum or using this assessment can hand that off, as it were, uh, like a wedding gift to this couple. Let's help you guys learn to adjust to things beyond your control. So that's one thing, and I, I like to talk about that because it's, I don't hear anybody else talking about it in the context of pre-marriage ministry, and yet it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. Dr. Parrott, that is so helpful, and I'm so excited for this new resource that, and the assessment. I think that's going to help a lot of pastors, um, a lot of people in our audience who who do feel that challenge. So thank you so much for, for taking time to be with us today, and uh, really appreciate your ministry. Hey, it's my privilege. And by the way, if uh, uh, one of our listeners is interested in learning more about the Symbus assessment um, and how to get certified, they can just go to symbusassessment.com. And I do a little 20-minute walkthrough so they can look at every page of the report with me and, uh, and get a real good feel for what that's about. So Symbus, S-Y-M-B-I-S, SymbusAssessment.com. That sounds great. And we'll also include that in the show notes so that people can uh, click right to it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Dr. Les Parrott for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode... Please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and consider sending this episode to somebody you know who might benefit from listening to it. Also, you can always download the show notes for each episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes, we always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve the show or guests you'd love to hear us talk to, email us at podcast at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.